All right, we are going to read a lot of stuff in chapter one. We're going to go through the whole chapter. So it's going to be a little fast-paced, a little crazy. But the, the good news is Mark chapter one is probably one of the most action-packed like Bible stories I've ever read. It's just like nonstop things happening. So let's go through it. Mark chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it was written in the prophets. He says, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face, will prepare the way before you, and it will be like a voice crying in the wilderness saying, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the Baptist came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those in Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed in camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. Strange. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal straps I'm not even worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, this starts out really epically. Just imagine the desert, cactuses and sand and tumbleweeds blowing around. And, and in the middle of nowhere, there's this crazy guy standing there with just long hair, giant beard. He literally like skinned a camel, like got out his bowie knife and like started stabbing camels and like skinning them. So he's wearing just camel fur. And you, you like, you go up to this guy and you're like, hey, you want a burger? And he's like, no, I'm fine. He's sticking his hand in a jar full of like grasshoppers and honey. He's just like, yeah, yeah, this guy's intense. His name's John the Baptist. It's actually Jesus's cousin. And he is just a weird dude. Like he's the type of guy where if you saw him in Vista, you'd be like straight up homeless guy. Like, but he was on fire for the Lord. Jesus actually said that there was not a better preacher. There was nobody better than John the Baptist. Like Jesus said, besides me, John the Baptist was the greatest preacher of all time. Now this guy is out in the wilderness and people are coming to hear this guy because they're like, this guy's crazy. Like, no, because these guys are going to church and at church, you know, the pastors are wearing like the long robes and they're like, well, John the Baptist is like in the desert with his long hair and beard and he's like, repent because the kingdom of God is coming, man. It's going to be crazy. So they want to go hear this guy. They're like, we got to go hear John the Baptist. So they go out there and they're like, John, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we've been waiting for? And John's like, no, no, I'm not the one. But there's another guy coming, and this guy is so incredible that I'm not even worthy to bend down and unbuckle his sandals. I'm not willing to, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes, is basically what John is saying. So he's talking about a guy who is holy, a guy who is incredible, a guy who is pretty much the one that they've been waiting for. So this is where Jesus, our main character and best friend, enters the story. So, let's meet Jesus. Verse 9. So, as it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Jesus comes down and says, hey, what's up, cousin John? I need you to baptize me. And John is freaking out because he's like, I am not worthy to even touch you, man. And Jesus is like, no, listen, I know I'm God, but I need you to baptize me because I need everyone to see that the Holy Spirit is with me. Now, you know, you guys get baptized and we call it like it's an outward expression of the inward. The Holy Spirit's in your heart and you baptize yourself. Someone baptizes you, you go under the water, you come up and the Holy Spirit, people go, oh, they have the Holy Spirit. I can see because they've been baptized. Well, that happened in an even bigger way with Jesus. He didn't just get baptized. Check this out. Uh, says uh, in verse 9, he was baptized by John, verse 10, and immediately, 
You're going to hear that word a lot this chapter. There's a lot of stuff happening in this chapter. Immediately, coming up from the water, whoosh, the heavens parted. You guys seen Lion King when, like, the clouds whoosh, and Mufasa's like, Simba. Like, that's what happens. Like, God, like, the clouds part, and this giant dove comes out. It's like, whoosh, and it lands on Jesus' shoulder, and just like Mufasa's voice. Just imagine James Earl Jones, Darth Vader, Mufasa. I don't know. That's kind of how I imagine God's voice because I'm weird. Um, but I... I the voice says, 11, a voice from the heaven, you are, you are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. I am your father. No! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God wasn't like Luke Skywalker. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, he was stoked. God was saying, I am your father. You are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. So, well pleased? <laughs> well pleased. Um, there's a lot of stuff happening in this chapter, Okay. There are things throughout this entire chapter I want you guys to look at. This is the whole point. Like this chapter, it's going to be, or this, this, this Bible study is going to be very, very simple. There's not going to be very many crazy points or anything like that. All I'm trying to do in this chapter is to introduce you guys to who Jesus is. Because you've grown up your whole life hearing about Jesus, but it's so important to be reminded of exactly who he is. And there's so many things we learn about him in this chapter. So the first thing we see about Jesus is he is God's beloved son. Like, that's a big deal, to have the actual Son of God walking around on earth. He's not just up in the clouds. He's not just in heaven. He's there on the earth. God loves him, and he is well-pleased. He's got God's seal of approval. That tells us, like, this isn't, this isn't just like, you know, Jesus appeared, and people thought, oh, he must be the Son of God. No, when the clouds open up, and a magical dove flies down from the clouds and lands on your shoulder, and God's voice booms, like, they didn't have any magic tricks back then. They didn't have, like, some guy behind a curtain with, like, a loudspeaker. Like, that's not how it worked. Like, when, when this says that it happened, that means it actually happened. So that tells us that right from the start, everything that Jesus does has God's seal of approval. That's important for us to know. He's God's beloved Son, and God is stoked on everything he does two he's mighty and he's holy obviously jesus has some power and holy who knows what holy means anyone here know what holy means the word holy anybody nope but good good try anyone else want to try holy okay holy means set apart like for instance i've got a tea kettle in my office and if you come to me and you're like, hey, can I put some Kool-Aid in your tea kettle so I can have some hot Kool-Aid? I'm going to be like, no, because my tea kettle's holy. Now, I'm not, I don't mean like it's like spiritual. When I say holy, I mean it's set apart. Like, I have this tea kettle set apart for a specific purpose to brew tea. If you come to me and you're like, can I, you know, boil some Kool-Aid or some yogurt or whatever? Ice, can I boil some ice cream in your tea kettle? I'll be like, no, like, that's not what it's for. Jesus was holy. He was perfect, and he was specifically set apart by God for a purpose. The third thing to realize is just this. I mean, Jesus had the Spirit of God in him. That's incredible. The Holy Spirit, like God's actual Holy Ghost, was living inside Jesus. He was the first one to experience this. And the crazy thing is we can all experience that exact same thing. You guys have the Spirit of God in your heart every single day. Jesus is the one who started it right now. So, what happens next? Verse 12, check it out. Immediately, right? 
it happened, like, Jesus is there, getting baptized, dove lands, and then right then, goes to the desert immediately, just runs. I don't know if he was, like, jogging. He's just like, hey, thanks for the baptism. Thanks for the dove, God. And then he, like, runs to the desert. And it says, immediately, the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit drove him. I don't know what car they were riding in, but the Holy Spirit drove them into the wilderness. And verse 13 He was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Okay, just really quickly, here's what you need to understand about this. So Jesus gets like literally like catapulted into the desert by the Holy Spirit, and he shows up and he is tempted by Satan. Like this is just like so much stuff happening in Jesus. Jesus spent most of his life as a carpenter working for his dad building tables and bookcases. He's been God's son the entire time, but God was waiting for the right time to begin this like amazing time of Jesus' mission on earth. So Jesus is just waiting like, okay, God, I'm here on earth. I'm being nice to people. I'm fixing tables. Uh, What do I do? And finally, God's like, Jesus, it's time. We're going to save the world, but it's going to be a lot of crazy stuff happening to you. So he's in the desert getting baptized by his crazy cousin. Now he's in the desert getting tempted by Satan. And here's the crazy thing. I mean, if you guys don't know the story, Jesus is out there and Satan comes to him and he's like, hey, Jesus, I know you're really hungry because he was fasting back then. Uh, He didn't eat anything for 40 days. I can only, oh my gosh, guys, I am like doing this thing where I'm just doing nothing but drinking fruit smoothies and it's killing me. Like my stomach, I feel like my stomach wants to jump out of my mouth and beat me to death with like my spleen. Like that's what it feels like. 40 days, like I can't even go 40 minutes without eating something, uh, let alone fruit. Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days. I mean, at that point, you start hallucinating, you start seeing mirages, and Satan appears to him when he's tired and hungry and just lonely, hot, nasty. I mean, you guys know, you you guys get tempted usually when you're like uncomfortable, when you're hungry, when you're lonely, when you're sleepy, and Jesus is experiencing all those things. Satan comes to him, he's like, hey, I know you're really hungry. Since you're God, why don't you turn those breads into rocks? I mean, no. <laughs> Jesus is like, I was going to eat these breads, but it sounds great. I'll turn them into rocks. No, he's got a bunch of rocks. And Satan's like, just turn those into like biscuits, man. Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to listen to you. If I, ever, if I ever obey anything Satan tells me to do, if I ever listen to anything, that'll just, everything will be lost. I can't give in. I've got my mission of saving the world. It's too important to give in to anything Satan says. Satan says, hey, how about this? Since you're so powerful, jump off this cliff. And I mean, you know the angels are going to save you. It even says in the Bible, in Isaiah, if, if the Messiah falls off a cliff, the angels will come and save him. And Jesus is like, why would I do that? You're an idiot, Satan. And then <laughs> it's like, that's so dumb. Uh, and then Satan's like, okay, okay. I know I was trying to get you to commit suicide and that didn't work because I'm an idiot, but check this out. Look at the whole world. It's so cool. Look at all these kingdoms. Look at all these palaces. Look at all these sweet things in the world. I mean, Jesus, you're a human. You're God, but you're a human. You must be hungry. You must want a relationship with a girl. You must want power and money. I can give you all those things. I can give you so much money. I can give you any girl you want. I can give you all the food you want. I can make you the president, king, super emperor, dictator of the world. Just bow down to me and I'll do that for you. And Jesus is like, no. No, I cannot listen to anything you say. God has a purpose for me. I am saving people. Get lost. And what you need to know about Jesus, I just want, I just, I'm excited. Like, I want you guys to understand who he is, okay? Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. And that means he put himself in a position where he was able to be tempted, but he did not give in to any of those temptations. And the reason he did that 
was because you could sympathize with them afterwards. That means whenever you're going through anything, whenever you're tempted in any way, whether it's, I mean, whatever your temptation is, whether it's to gossip, to, to lie, to lust, to, to just like disrespect your parents, to cheat in school, to gossip about somebody, I mean, whatever it is, we all get tempted in so many different ways. The Bible says in, I think, First Peter, one of Jesus' friends, Peter, wrote about Jesus, and he says he was tempted in every single way we were. Any way you could possibly be tempted, because, I mean, he was out there for 40 days, and Satan and his demons are just tempting him for 40 days, and he's hungry and he's tired, but he did not give in, and he went through that to show you that through Jesus' power in your heart, you don't have to give in to temptation either. Jesus' power is the way we can overcome temptation. It's, it's so cool that he did this. It's so cool that he lived a perfect life even though he was able to be tempted. It wasn't just like he had some crazy like force field where it's like, I can never be tempted, I'm Jesus. No one can ever tempt me. It's like, no, he went through that for you. It's incredible. Now look at verse 14. It says, after John was put into prison, it's John the Baptist, he gets arrested because uh, uh, King Herod was uh, basically being a jerk and it's really a creepy story. Um, he had this, like, daughter, our niece, I think, and she was sketchy. And she's, like, doing some creepy dance for, like, all of his friends, like, at a party. Just super sketchy, you know? And, uh, and he's like, oh, I like this dancing. My creepy niece is dancing, and I'm, I like it. That's weird. And he's like, hey, creepy niece, I'll give you whatever you want. I'll give you whatever you want. Like, I'll, I'll buy you anything. Well, the niece's mom, she... I might be getting the story wrong, but she was doing creepy stuff with Herod. I think, I don't, it's like weird. Like they were family members and they were like doing weird stuff together. It was creepy. So John the Baptist is like, that's wrong. That's a sin. Don't do weird stuff with your family members. Like, don't do it. And they were like, okay, John, we're just going to kill you. So they arrested John the Baptist and they cut off his head and they put it on a platter and they gave it to the niece. And she was like, sweet, I'm going to go put it in my room with my ponies. It, it was weird. It's a weird story. The Bible is weird sometimes. Okay. So anyway, sidetrack. Uh, verse 14. Now after John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom of God. Verse 15, he said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in the good news. Now verse 16, check it out. As he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. If you guys don't know Simon, Simon is Peter. Uh, before he got his name changed. He used to be called Simon. I'm just going to call him Peter to make things easier for us. So, uh, Verse 16, he saw Peter and Andrew, two brothers, casting their net into the sea. These guys are fishermen. Verse 17, Jesus said to him, Hey, you guys, follow me, and I'll make you not just fishers of fish, but I'll make you fishers of men. Verse 18, they immediately, there's that word, immediately left their nets and followed him. And verse 19, when they had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and immediately they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after them. Here's the next thing I want you guys to realize about Jesus, is Jesus is worth following. And he's worth giving everything up for. And I think that for us, if we could have seen Jesus in person... And Jesus came up to us and said, hey, you, drop out of school and follow me. Most of you guys would be like, yes, I'll do that. Sweet. Jesus just gave me permission to drop out of school and follow him. Um, but let's just imagine you guys are all really successful junior hires who have all started up businesses and you don't have to go to school. And you guys are like, I don't know, like you guys remember that Mikey kid who was like making wallets? You guys remember him? Anybody? Mikey with his 
like, yeah, you remember that guy. Um, yeah, you remember. We had this kid in junior high named Mikey. He used to, like, make wallets out of duct tape. Uh, it was legit. So let's just imagine you guys have all, you're all part of this duct tape wallet business, and you're so filthy rich, you don't have to go to school, and your life is just awesome. And Jesus is like, hey, I want you to leave all that and drop what you're doing and follow me and be homeless and tell people about the good news. I think, there's some, I think there was probably something so just amazing about Jesus that just looking at him and hearing his voice, you'd be like, yes, that is exactly what I'm supposed to Yes, I will leave all my money and everything and follow you because you are amazing. I think he just had that. I just want you guys to imagine him. There was probably something about him that just was so like, yes, I want to follow you. And I think a lot of times we're not, willing to follow Jesus and drop everything to follow him because we're not really looking at it. Because we're not really opening up our Bibles and looking at the whole Bible as the story of Jesus. Every story of the Bible relates to Jesus. We need to read the Bible and realize it's all part of God's story of getting his family back. Jesus is worth following. I remember I I read a story about um, there was a bunch of soldiers uh, in the Roman Empire. And this is after Jesus has been around for a while, probably about 100 years later. So the Roman Empire, um, there was just this big army. And Caesar, uh, the next Caesar, he comes out and he's like, all right, it's time to bow down and worship me, Caesar, because I'm a god. Kind of, he was like, kind of like Kanye. He comes out, he's like, I'm a god. Well, there was 40 guys in that soldier troop who became Christians. And they were like, you know what, Caesar? We'll fight for you. We'll wear your armor We'll, we'll go to war and we'll fight for you, Caesar, but, but we're not gonna call you God. There's only one God and that's Jesus. So Caesar was like, you guys are idiots. I'm going to punish you. I'm gonna kill you. So he took all of their armor and he stripped it off and he put them, it was winter. He put them in the middle of a frozen pond. He made them stand on the ice for days. And he's like, unless you say that I am God, I'm not gonna let you go. So these guys are freezing and freezing and freezing. Well, after two days, all of them had frozen to death except one guy. And that one guy, he gave up. He like crawled over and he's like, you know what? I'm so sorry. This was a mistake. Caesar is God. Please forgive me. And they're like, all right, you can live. But he gave up being a Christian. Well, the guy who was the captain of the guard, who was in charge of executing all those guys, he was so inspired by all those guys who gave up their lives for Jesus. He was like, I'm a Christian now too. So he took off all his armor and he went and stood on the ice and he ended up dying. But now he's in heaven. True story. And I'm stoked to get to meet him one day. But Jesus Jesus is worth following. If you understand who Jesus is and if you understand what his mission was to save the world, if you understand what he did, dying for us to have a relationship with us, Jesus is absolutely worth giving up everything for. In verse 21, it says, then they went to Capernaum and what's the word? Capernaum, you guys reading? Immediately. On the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. Jesus went to church to teach a Bible study. Um, He wasn't the pastor, but back then at church, the people who were the rabbis, the people who were the Bible students, they would let them get up and they'd share with everybody, kind of like in small groups, you get to share what the Lord's speaking to you about. Um, Jesus did that. He's just, he's he's a guy, um, he's a carpenter, but he studied the scriptures. He's a smart guy. So he goes in. He's like, I'm going to share with all of you guys at church what the Lord has taught me. Um, so G- this is, if you guys don't know the story, it doesn't say in Mark, but it says in other gospels. Basically what Jesus did there, has anyone seen the Son of God movie? Has anyone seen that? Do you guys remember the scene where Jesus is in there and he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah? And he's like, um, in Isaiah it says, um, I have come to set the captives free. I have come to break the chains. I have come to save the people. And then Jesus is like, 
this day. This scripture is fulfilled because it's about me. And all the pastors and priests are like, <gasps> heart attack. Like, oh, you can't say that. Like, are you saying you're God? Like, can you imagine if like I'm teaching and some guy came in and he's like, Aaron, hold on, I got something to say. And he like stands up here and he's like, hey guys, you know all the stuff you're reading about Jesus? Well, that's me. Yeah, you'd be like, we're gonna die. Like this guy's gonna kill us. Like this is so scary. That's what's going on. I mean, Jesus was, a, he was a bold guy. I mean, he did not waste any time letting people know exactly who he was. He goes into church and he's like, hey, you know that Bible you're reading? It's all about me. It's my book. I wrote it. I'm God. Everyone was freaking out at this point. So verse 22, they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority, not like the pastors, but he actually taught with authority. Do you know why? Can you guess why? Anybody? Why, did he te- why could he teach with authority? Ryan, Why? Why? Because he's God. It's like, hey, I can teach this book because I wrote it. It's my book is pretty much what he's saying. Everyone, when he spoke from the scriptures, it was like listening to an author read his own book. That's exactly what it felt like. He had authority. He was God. In verse 23, now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. This is really funny. I have to show you guys. Um, someone remind me next week. There's a scene um, that, have you guys ever seen like those videos where they do voice overdubs? So there's a scene from this. Um, it's basically where a demon-possessed guy shows up, but they did an overdub of the voice. So Jesus is teaching in the church, and they... I'm going to show you guys all these videos because I'm teaching you guys about how Jesus really is, but those videos are, like, making fun of, like, how we think of Jesus. So Jesus is, like, in the church, and he's like, Don't listen to any music that doesn't have my name in it. And make sure you wear a T-shirt with my face on it. And then all of a sudden, this guy shows up, and the demon-possessed guy, they overdubbed his voice, and he's all, He's all, Jesus, I got two tickets to the it's really funny. I'll show it to you. You'll laugh. Anyway, um, so back to the story, though. Uh, so a guy shows up. Verse 23. I'm a weird guy, okay? You got to put up with me for at least two more years, you sick creators. All right. Um, verse 23. Now, there's a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. He's demon-possessed. He's this crazy guy. And he cries out, saying, let us alone. Leave us alone. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Okay, now check this out. Everyone else is probably like, this guy is crazy. But the guy was actually demon-possessed. And if you guys remember, demons were angels at one point. So at one time, this guy was in heaven, and he was hanging out with Jesus, and then he betrayed Jesus and became a demon. So now he's a demon living in a human being, demon-possessing a guy. And he sees Jesus. He's like, I know this guy. He's the Son of God. Oh, snap. The demons are super bummed out. Because remember, at this point, I mean, think, use your head, okay? Like, uh... When, when the demons got cast out of heaven, where have they been? They've been on earth this entire time, causing trouble, causing people to sin, messing up stuff. And at this point, this is the first demon who ever got a look at Jesus. And he is like, oh no, our whole plan is coming crumbling down. We thought we were in control of the earth, but now he's here, the son of God. This is really, really bad for us. The demon is freaking out because Jesus is the holy one. Remember the set-apart one, the one that God picked for the mission of saving the entire world. Verse 25, Jesus rebuked him. He smacks the demon. I'm just kidding. He didn't smack the demon. He's like, hey, you. No, Jesus didn't do that. Uh, But he says he rebuked him. He's like, like, let's just pretend that Daniel's demon-possessed for a second. Daniel, start like talking in weird voices. Just Just be like, hey, you, no, no, no. That's kind of what he was doing. He's like, hey, no. (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesus rebuked him. He says, hey, be quiet and come out of him. And then 
the demon like, like goes out of the guy's mouth. Now the demon's out there. Uh, I don't know if people could see the demon because he's a spirit, but Jesus could see the demon for sure. So Jesus calls the demon out and, and the spirit uh, convulsed the guy. So the guy starts, he lands on the ground, he starts rolling on the ground and the demon's like crawling out of his mouth. Crazy stuff. Um, verse 27 uh, then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What, what new Bible teaching is this? This guy teaches with authority. He commands even the demons, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the regions. So people are like, this, there's something special about this guy. Like, I mean, if, 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 I, if I invited some guest speaker to teach, and all of a sudden, like, he was, like, casting out demons and, like, doing miracles in church, you'd be like, Aaron, you can move. Uh, we'll keep this guy. There's something really cool about this guy. That's what was going on. Like, all the pastors now are getting kind of, uh, kind of bummed out, kind of jealous because they're like, everyone likes Jesus better than us. They should be okay with that because Jesus is the person they're teaching about. He's God. But they didn't know that. Anyway, disclaimer. Uh, now, verse 29. Now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, or immediately, if you want to use the same word. Now, immediately, after they left the church. Verse 29, read along. They entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, but Simon's wife's mother, Peter's wife, or Peter's wife's mom, his mother-in-law, uh, she lay sick with a fever. And they told Jesus about her at once. And he came and took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. Here's another thing you got to understand about Jesus. I mean, yes, he's God. Yes, he's big. Yes, he's huge. Yes, he's part in the Red Sea. Yes, he's killing Goliath with David. Yes, he's freeing Daniel from the lion's den. Yes, he's on earth casting out demons and doing miracles. But Jesus is really compassionate and he cares about everything you go through. It's like when you are like, my aunt's sick. My grandma's sick. Jesus cares about that. Jesus is running around and Peter's like, um, Jesus, um, my mother-in-law's sick. Do you think? Jesus isn't like, like, get her some Tylenol and tell her to take a nap. Like, I'm doing important things. I'm doing miracles. No, Jesus is like, take me to her. And he goes to the house and grabs her hand. And he's like, fever be gone. And she is healed. It's crazy stuff. You need to understand that Jesus cares about the big picture, but he also cares about your little picture. He, your little picture is a part of his big picture. Your life is a part of his story. Your life is so important to Jesus. Everything you go through, every sin you struggle with, every trial you face, Jesus is right there next to you and he cares. And it's the same Jesus that grabbed that lady's hand and told her fever to go away. That's the Jesus who's with us every single day. I took a walk with Jesus yesterday and I was just talking about some of my problems and, and asking him to pray for me. Isn't that funny? Praying to Jesus, asking him to pray for me. The Bible actually says that Jesus prays to God. So it's actually, you can totally be like, Jesus, can you pray for me <laughs> while you're praying? It's so cool. He's a real person. He's alive and he's with us. And I'm going to commit as your youth pastor to be spending more time with Jesus than I ever have before because I want you guys to see in my life that that's changing things in me. I want you guys to be able to look at me and say, I can tell Aaron's spending time with Jesus. I can tell he's been with Jesus. I don't want to just read the Bible because I'm teaching you guys. I want to have an everyday relationship with the person who loves me and made me. And I want that for you guys. That's my biggest heart. All this stuff, all these Bible studies, all this youth ministry stuff, the main goal, even laser tag, the main goal of all this stuff is that you guys would start having a relationship with Jesus and that you'd grow up and you'd be adults who walk with Jesus and have a relationship with him. That's, that's the main goal of everything. Just so you know, disclaimer. I just spoiled it for you, but that's, that's the whole plan here. Um, 
Verse 32, when the sun had set, they brought him to all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And then he healed many who were sick with various diseases. And he cast out demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. So Jesus is there. People are coming with their demons. They've got demon-possessed. Apparently demon possession happened a lot back then. Um, I've seen it and heard of it uh, in other parts of the world. I know a guy named Victor Marks who used to be the junior high pastor here a long time ago. Uh, He was like karate chopping people and stuff. Good guy. Um, Look him up. He's got a great story. Um, But Victor Marks, like uh, he goes to prisons where there's teenagers who have been put in jail for murder and and crazy things. And he's met demon-possessed people. I was reading a story and he's like talking to some like 12-year-old girl and she's in there and her eyes are like rolling back in her head and she's speaking in a dark, like dark, like deep voice. There's a demon inside her. I believe that stuff's real because the Bible says it's real. I don't see it in the junior high room a ton. I'm super thankful for that. If you have a demon, please don't bring it to church because I won't know what to do, just to be honest. I'll be like, "Ah." no, I, I hope that I would be like, demon, come out, like in the name of Jesus and faith. But I'm just saying like, because I've never dealt with that, I'd probably be like, ah. Some of you guys are like, I'm going to bring my demon-possessed friend to church. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, Victor, he's totally prayed for people. And in the name of Jesus, the demons have come out of them and their eyes roll back and they talk normal. And I mean, it's so cool. Now, don't be afraid. If you're a Christian, demons can never possess you. The heart cannot have an evil spirit and a good spirit in it. And if you're a Christian, you have the spirit of God in you. So don't even worry about it. But for people who aren't Christians, it's open season. So... Uh, <laughs> for saying, not for you. I'm not saying, okay. Um, here's what I want you guys to understand, okay? Check this out, okay? L- look at these verses. Let's, let's read them again, okay? Um, verse 33, he's over there. People are bringing him the sick and the demon possessed, and the whole city was gathered. Everyone in the city, just a huge gathering. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now, this is really cool. Because basically what it's saying is Jesus has complete power over darkness. Like, I know none of you guys are struggling with demon possession, but I think all of us struggle with demon oppression. And what I mean by that is there's a spiritual battle going on. Um, If you guys don't know it, there's an invisible war going on all around you. Angels and demons are battling because the angels are on God's side and they want to see you in heaven. But the demons want to either see you in hell, or if you're already Christian and you can't go to hell, they want to make life on earth a hell for you, is basically what they want to do. If a demon can't send a Christian to hell, which you can't because a Christian is a Christian, a demon wants to make that Christian's life so miserable. He wants to tempt them, just keep them in sin, usually secret sin that no one else knows about, where they're struggling all the time and messing up all the time and, and just bummed out all the time and depressed all the time. That's what demons are after. They want to make your life terrible on earth. They know you're going to heaven one day, but they want to make sure that you're, you have a terrible life and that you can never really be used by God because you'll be so focused on your own sin that you can never be used to reach anyone else for God. That's what demons are after. There's demon oppression. When, when you feel bummed out and depressed, or when you have those thoughts like I did when I was a kid, like, are you really saved? Are you sure you're a Christian? You're kind of a big sinner, Aaron. Maybe you're not really saved. I used to think that all the time in junior high. That's 100% demon oppression. Those thoughts like, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not whatever enough. Like, those bummed out feelings you get, I mean, don't, don't freak out. Like, they're not like devil horns and pitchforks. Like, they're not breathing fire on you. But you need to understand where those thoughts and where those feelings and where those temptations come from. It comes from our enemy. The Bible says that. Now, here's the great thing. 
Jesus has complete power over darkness. He's casting out those demons, and they're like, fuh, fuh, fuh. Jesus is like, nope, nope, shut up, shut up, shut up. Bah. Like the, he's just like he's he's telling these demons like they're trying to speak. They're like, uh, but Jesus, and Jesus is just like, nope, don't talk, don't speak, nope. Mm-mm. Like he is just he has complete power. He's casting these things out. He's not letting them speak. And if you guys have those thoughts and those temptations, understand Jesus is the one you need to go to. Not the internet to look up, like, why, am I, why is my problem? And you'll, you'll just talk to people who are more depressed than you. Not, uh, not a lot of times your friends, because they'll just give you really bad advice. Go to Jesus and ask him for help. And you'll, start, you'll stop hearing those voices as much. Sometimes they come back, but the name of Jesus is what drives them away. And the more time you spend with Jesus, the less you're going to hear the enemy's voice and the more you're going to hear his voice. The Bible says that Jesus is a shepherd and his sheep know the sound of his voice. Jesus is our friend. And if if we're following him, we'll know what his voice sounds like. If you're like, I don't know what God's voice sounds like, don't don't be bummed out. I talked to lots of junior high kids who are like, I don't know what that sounds like. Just start reading your Bible more. Start praying. Start taking notes during Bible study and then go home after a Sunday and actually pray about one or two things that the Lord showed you in a Bible study. These are ways that we can hear Jesus' voice. Verse 35. Now in the morning. We're almost done. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. Why would Jesus need to pray? He's God. It's just like, was he talking to himself? Jesus had a relationship with his Father, with God the Father. And you might think, like, I mean, why would Jesus need to pray? He's God. But to me, that's so crazy. That teaches me so much about Jesus. One, it teaches me that he loved his Father, that he would actually take the time in all of his busy— I mean, Jesus is way busier than you. I don't care how many finals or sports or whatever you do. Jesus was so busy. The Bible says that Jesus had no time to himself. The Bible says that Jesus was constantly—that's what the whole book of Mark is actually about— It's about telling us how Jesus was a servant. Jesus had no time to do anything because he was always serving everybody, but he still took time when he had any time to go and pray and talk to his father. And if Jesus is spending time with his father, if Jesus thinks it's important to spend time with God, then it's important for me to spend time with God. It's important for me to pray. It's important for me to go off and be alone and turn off my cell phone and turn off my TV and turn off my computer and go and spend time with the one who made me. Because Jesus understands the whole point. He understands the big picture. He has this beautiful relationship with God where he is his son. He can talk to him at any time. He can be with him at any time. He can ask him for help. He can ask him for power. He can get love from him. He can feel complete from him. But he looks at the world and he knew something. I'm the only one on the planet who has that. That's what Jesus knew. He's praying to God and he's like, I'm the only one on earth who has this access to God right now. And that's not right. There's sin that's separating everyone on the entire planet. And that's wrong. And they have to go to a priest. And they have to ask a priest to pray for them. And and they have to go through the temple. And Jesus is like, I want everyone to have a relationship with God the way I have a relationship with God. And I'm willing to die for that. I need to understand that because Jesus died, you, like Jesus, can go out to a departed, solitary place and you can pray and you don't have to go through a priest or a pastor or anything. You have complete access to God and it's through what Jesus did. So important. Verse 36, and then Peter and those who were with him, they were looking for Jesus. And in verse 37, they found him. They said, hey, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. But Jesus said, let us go to the next town 
that I may preach the gospel there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he went preaching in the churches throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Now I want to end really quick, and then we're going to do something special. But I want to end with just one verse, or no, three verses. Sorry. Okay, verse 40. This is, how, this is where we're going to end, okay? Check this out. It says, Now a leper came to him, asking him, kneeling down to him and saying, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. A leper was a guy who had a disease that basically your nerves died so you couldn't feel pain and your skin started to rot. So basically you were like a walking dead zombie. You had like crazy parts of your body falling off. If someone chopped off your arm with a sword, you couldn't even feel it because your nerves were dead. So you just look and be like, oh, my arm. And it'd be like bleeding, but you couldn't feel anything. So you've got your face is falling off. Your skin is starting to turn green and gray and rot and fall off. You smelled like death. You had sores and boils all over your body. Leprosy is actually, to, to me, it's a picture of sin. Leprosy to me is the ultimate outward showing of what's happening inside our heart because when we have sin, it's like leprosy. It's like you start, when, when you start sinning and sinning, your, the Holy Spirit becomes dead in your heart and you sin and, and you're not even like, oh, that's bad. You're, you're just like, whatever, it's fine. It's like, it's like you get numb to it and, and on the outside, everything looks fine, but on the inside, you're rotting and you're dying and you're falling <laughs> apart. So picture yourself as a leper, not an outside leper, but an inward leper. Someone who's got sin on the inside. And, and all of us have sin. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how Christian your Christian home is. Every single one of you guys struggles with something. I know you guys do. I did, and I do. We all struggle with sin. We're all sinners. We all have to admit that. So the leper comes, and he kneels down to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now Jesus looks at this guy, and he looks at you, and just like that video we saw, he looks and I, mean, he just, I just see him, he starts to tear up. Because he's like, this, he's looking at this, this leper who's just falling apart and rotting and stinking. And he looks at this, and, and everyone else is like, don't touch that person. Unclean, unclean, unclean. They're, oh, they're gross. They'll, you'll get diseases. But Jesus looks at them and his heart breaks because he's like, this is not what you were created for. You were created because I love you. You were created to have a relationship with me. You were created because I love you. And it says, verse 41, then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him. That's what no person was willing to do to a leper. Jesus touches the guy on his rotting, oozing face and says, I am willing, be clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And the last thing I want to just remind you guys is Jesus is the one who can heal your leprosy. He's the one who can take your sin. And if you come to him and you're just like, I'm too much of a sinner. I just have messed up too much. I repent and then the next day I do the same thing again. No one can ever really love me or forgive me. Jesus is the one, like the leper says, hey, if, if you're willing, I know you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I am willing. I just want you guys to understand that no matter what you're going through, no matter what your sin is, it's not too big and it's not too great for Jesus. He will meet you wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with. Come to him and let him heal you. So 
Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for these guys, and I thank you that we can know you. I thank you, Lord, that it's not just a mystery to know who you are. It's not just, I don't know who Jesus is. I have no idea. He's a, he's a guy. He's, a, he's an important teacher. He's an important Bible teacher. No, God, you gave us your word, and through your word, we can see exactly the type of person you are. And Jesus, you're amazing. You're, you're, you're better than a superhero. You are incredible. You are powerful. You are mighty. You save us. You heal us. You love us. You are holy. You are awesome. You are wonderful. And God, we want to remember who you are. So I pray, Jesus, that during this time, you would help us to remember You would help us to meet you all over again. We love you, Jesus, and we ask that through just this time on Sundays that we study your word and your story, that we would meet you all over again in a new and fresh way. And I pray that these guys would leave here today knowing exactly who you are and that their hearts would be stirred to spend time with the one who loves them and the one who created them. We love you, Jesus, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen.